0: Sara El Arifi is the internationally bestselling author of *The Final Strife* and *The Bottle Drum*, the first two installments of the *Ending Fire* trilogy, inspired by her Ghanaian and Sudanese heritage. She has lived in many countries, had many jobs, and owned many more cats. After a decade of working in marketing and communications, she returned to academia to complete a master's degree in African studies alongside her writing career. El Arifi knew she was a storyteller from the moment she told her first lie. Over the years, she has perfected her tall tales into epic ones. She currently resides in London as a full-time procrastinator, and today we talk about Fae Bound, her new fantasy novel that comes out January 23rd. I hope you enjoy this fun and casual conversation. Happy reading! Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Emma here, and today I'm very excited to have this author on. We have Sara El-Arifi
1: to talk about Fae Bound. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Welcome. I'm so happy to have you here to talk about what is one of my most anticipated books of the entire year, Oh, my God. Uh, Fae Bound. So for our listeners, this book comes out on January 23rd in the United States, January 18th in the UK. So not yeah. too long to wait
1: now. Yeah, crazy. I don't know where the year's gone.
0: <laughs> it's very exciting. And so for our listeners, can you tell us a little bit about what to expect in Fae Bound?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's funny because you always get, as an author, even though I've been doing this for so many years, I always get stumped by that question. I'm like, what are these books about? (laughs) Um, I've been writing for years. Um, So let me attempt to. Um, Faebound is about two sisters who get captured by the Fae. Um, The Fae in their world has not really existed outside of history books. They pretty much thought the Fae had gone extinct. Um, And it is a fated, Mates, uh, enemies to lovers, um, a lot, a lot of lovers. <laughs> um, it's just, it's just the been the biggest joy writing about Faye and mixing together and the cultures that I grew up in, in a new and unique way. And I just, I've just loved it, and hopefully readers do too.
0: I can only speak for myself, but I will say that every chapter I read of this book, it was like. It just made me smile. And every like thing that was revealed that I won't mention, I was just like either (laughs) extremely happy or just in shock.
1: Yeah, I love twists. And (laughs) I think people who've read my earlier work have got to this. I don't even try and do it, but there's like almost like a three twist structure structure that I always have I have one twist that I always kind of lay the breadcrumbs for that I really want readers to like know and figure out because I want them to feel like you know you got one and then I have another twist that's a little bit more obscure that you know some readers who are really clever will figure out and then I'll have one that is just so left field that very few people figure out
0: yes <laughs> yes. I'm like, we may have to chat about this off recording for spoilers, but there, I love yeah. that though, where there's like breadcrumbs sort of peppered throughout and then a few that are a little bit more, a little bit trickier to figure yeah. out. Yeah. So, where did the idea for this first book, this is a new trilogy, right?
1: Yeah, it is. Um, So, it, I hadn't even actually finished the first trilogy that I was writing. And this concept just came to me, this like magic, magical kind of drums. I was thinking, that's really that's a really interesting magical concept, like drum magic. And then I thought, imagine if that drum was made with a magical beast skin. And that's from the skin, from the drum skin is like where the magic is most potent. And so then I started thinking about the beasts that would make up the drum skin. Pretty morbid. <laughs> but then I start and then the world just started to unravel and I was like. Wow. Okay, this is something that I absolutely have to explore. Um, and I remember kind of fi- filing it away in my brain with the many other concepts, book concepts that I have bubbling away there. And um, before the, even the final strife came out in um, 2022, my editor said to me, "Have you got another idea? Because you know we're really interested. We can see that the final strife is getting a lot of buzz. We're really interested in like continuing our partnership." And I was like, "Guys, my first book's not even out yet." um and they and they said you know can can you tell me anything and I said I think the the exact phrase I said was uh black thirsty elves with drum magic and (laughs) then and I saw my editor's face and she's like this sounds amazing and I was and she's like can you can you write me up a sample and I was like but I've got some other books to write first (laughs) she's like no no do it please we're really interested and um yeah. And I just wrote it and it, I wrote it so quickly. And like the whole novel I think took me from first page to the last page, the first draft, which is always absolute rubbish. Um, but the first rubbish draft, it took me about six weeks from the first word to the last period. Wow. So
0: yeah, but yeah. everything just like really came to you.
1: Yeah, because it's really interesting because I only have, when I'm kind of coming up with a concept i just have concepts i don't have anything beyond like drum magic elves i knew the fey and humans were going to be other two beings and there was going to be this magical beast but i had no sense of plot and so i have to write to figure out the plot and so this just came to me really quickly and i often tidy up and and my edits are huge like massive edits i you know i i think the final strife started off at um, 300 pages and ended up at like 650 pages so it was like a real like my edits are huge Um, and because I have no idea of plot when I'm starting it so I have to like get to the end to go okay now you need to absolutely <laughs> rewrite everything so yeah it, it did Faban definitely came to me really quickly.
0: But I love that that's your process. And I do love asking authors that because it's so different for every single person, just sort of how you work through a story and the characters. And so that was another question I had is like, how, how did all of the pieces of the world building sort of come together? I mean, there's magic here. There's fey elves. There's a lot of mythology. There's like the three gods. We have the magical beasts. There's just a lot of different elements how does all of that sort of start to take
1: shape? Yeah. So I think for me, I work at the world building um, in in each edit. So Feibound didn't actually go through that many edits, but um, when I start, I start the first draft is just like plot, <laughs> just like who is who. Um, and then in the next edit, I start to piece together the smaller details. So for me, it's all about Building up that iceberg of like world building, so the reader sees the tip, and you know I have everything else under the surface, and so a lot of what I I do in my planning stages is like I know the culture and the so there's there's four different districts in in Bound, um Eclipse, Crescent, um, uh, Waning, and Waxing. So those are the the four based on on the moon, um, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh so in those kind of four districts I have built the culture the um the the, the politics, the environment I know that it might be a throw a throwaway line in faybound it's like my, it might even just be one word but I have built up that whole system and I think um that definitely comes during edits and a lot of it I lent on my own culture, my own um upbringing so, I'm Ghanaian, Sudanese, and British, but I was raised in the Middle East and Sheffield in the UK. So I have a lot of different kind of cultures influencing me. Um, I talk about food a lot in all my books. And it's because like food has been such a staple of the way that I was raised. Because one day I would have like mullahia, which is an Arabic dish. And then the next day I'd have fufu, which is a Ghanaian dish. And the day after that I'd have fish and chips. <laughs> so I'm so lucky that I have that kind of well of culture to to just dive into and to borrow from to build these well what like new worlds which is really fun
0: I love that and so you mentioned that the very first draft of this took about six weeks what is your ideal writing setup sort of during that time like do you have to be in a particular spot like do you have music no music what is your setup to <laughs> to write
1: these books this is quite funny and I don't actually think I've said this publicly anywhere, but Faban was mainly written in the bath. <laughs> so I have like a wooden plank that I put across the bath and I put my laptop on it and I will sit there and Faban was, yeah, I'd say easily 80% of it was written in the bath. And I will sit there for like four hours, like the water will have gone cold and I will still be typing away. And I don't know why, but for me that was that was where I had to write Fabe out. Um The Final Strife and, and the Battle Drum and the Ending Fire actually all wrote at my desk because I have enough I have a desk. I don't need to write in the bath. Um and then I think actually elements of the ending fire, I I kind of got stifled by my study. I don't know why. I was just like, my office is not working for me today. Um and that was done on the sofa, but I also kind of um, do really well writing when I'm traveling. So if I'm on long train journeys, um, on flights, often on the tube, so the underground in in London, um, if I'm going because anywhere in London, if you want to travel, it's a minimum forty five minute journey. So I just get my phone out and I use the notes app and I write a bunch of words. And I normally can do like, if if I'm in the flow, I can do like forty in forty five minutes, probably like a thousand words. And then I copy and paste it into to Word. I just like i use every single second that i can <laughs> and then actually there'll be some days where you know the whole whole 12 hours i can only get 700 words out and um but then i i have to trust myself that the next day i'll i'll manage to to like make it up somehow um but yeah it is it's generally chaos when i write um i don't listen to any music i drink a lot of tea um and yeah silence is the only the only way i can do it
0: Okay. But I love that you sort of go where it ebbs and flows, and that there are some places where it just works and others where it, it doesn't, and that it changes depending on what you're working on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it was so funny that Faye Bound just required a bath. I had to be in water.
0: Sounds like <laughs> the ideal setup, though. <laughs> oh, it's pretty great.
1: Yeah, it's pretty great.
0: <laughs> and now, correct me if I'm saying any of the characters' names incorrectly. Uh, always tricky with fantasy. So we have two sisters that we follow for yeah. the bulk of the book, Yiren and little
1: Yeah, Yiren and little It's funny, you talk about pronunciation. And <laughs> so when you do the audio books, I, I, I just have to talk about it because pronunciation for me is a nightmare as well. Um, Because when you're writing, you don't often think about how it sounds. And when you do audiobooks, you have to send a whole bunch of like pronunciation guides. And sometimes it's the first time I'm saying that word out loud. And I'm like, I just made this up. Or it's a derivative of an Arabic word that doesn't sound like this anymore. (laughs) So yeah, I struggle with pronunciation as well.
0: Well, and I think as well, I mean, as a a reader of fantasy, sometimes I just like sort of gloss it over in my head, you know, because I'm like, "Mm, I'm not quite sure about this. But I know who it is and we're just gonna then when I I have to ask authors the question, I'm like, wait, do I know (laughs) how to say this at all? And I speak, yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so we have two sisters, their dynamic as sisters, you know, and siblings is is heartwarming, but it's also complex. So what made you want to write about specifically their sister dynamic?
1: So I'm an elder sister. And um, for me, I just think there's something so special about the silly little, like no matter how old I am, <laughs> no matter that I'm in my mid thirties, uh, when I'm with my sister, I turn into a child. I And it also not from just like a, a we, we start, you know, laughing and doing silly things, but also from an argument perspective, some of our arguments are just so silly and stupid. And I thought that's a really interesting dynamic like the way that you you love this person so deeply but you can also hate them very much in a way that's not you know it's surface level hate it's in that moment you just my sister can make me angrier than anyone in the world and yet i love her so much and i will do anything for her and i thought right i need to explore this in like a a much wilder setting in a most explosive in a more explosive way where there are things like war going on and people are prisoners and things like that and for me it was it was pushing the, that sisterly bond to the limit and seeing what would happen. And I just, yeah, I really love that. There's a, a line in the book which is the the scars of their life fused them together. And I think that's so true about sisters, like you or siblings at all. You you don't choose each other, but you are forever ingrained in each other's lives. And I think you know it doesn't necessarily need to be a, built on trauma, but I think there is something really interesting about exploring that trauma that you've been through with someone. Um, And so, yeah, year in the little came to me.
0: Yeah. And I like that the, the through line though of the story is right that they, they sort of have their issues. They know how to press each other's buttons almost immediately, but you can sort of see how much they do care for one another. And that, that sort of love when everything comes, you know, to potentially harm them, they're sort of they're each other's first advocate um, absolutely without revealing anything at
1: all about
0: what <laughs> <happens>. <laughs> but I also think it's really interesting like they they can remember certain things as siblings totally differently yeah so the way that you remember certain experiences and I think you touched on this a little bit from each of their perspective they describe the same exact thing but with slightly
1: different twist yeah um, and I think that yeah, that's absolutely. really fascinating. I uh, yeah, and that's definitely borrowed from my own experiences. You know, um, I think one of the scenarios in which they remember things differently is that I think Lettle screams in a clearing and scares away a creature that her uh, yearn and her father were trying to hunt. And so yearn's memory of it is um, that Lettle ruined that hunt, and Lettle remembers. Yuran running towards there and ruin that hunt so the, the, their perspectives they both blame each other and I think that's so interesting And I love playing with how people see things differently even though like the facts of it were both the same the blame and the experience was different and I yeah I think that's really fascinating exactly how you can just sort of twist it a little bit to sort of what
0: you what you remember it might not be the yeah. exact same as your siblings now the title of the book is Fae Bound. We learn what that means in the context of the story. When did the title of this book become Fae Bound or
1: was it always? Okay, no. So <laughs> I, I don't think I've spoken about this publicly either. Um, so it was originally, and I have to preface with this with the fact that every title I've ever chosen has been changed. Everyone has always hated a title I've chosen, so I I kind of choose them knowing they're going to they're going to change. And at this stage, my agent didn't didn't even let it get to my editor. She was like, "No." And so the original um, title was Glory Bound, and my (laughs) agent was like, "No, it just sounds either like a self help book, (laughs) self help book, or." something about snm so i think <laughs> i think maybe not um and so the second version was beastbound um which i liked but gave a different connotation to faebound i think faebound is softer immediately draws those people who read particularly fay books will know straight away, okay, it's Faye bound. It's a Fay book. Um, and so from a marketing perspective, I understood, totally understood why they preferred Faye bound. Um, but I had a three, three book it's like a kind of construct I had, like uh, it was going to be Beastbound was going to be book one and then Feybound was going to be book two and then Thricebound was going to be book three. And all of that is not the case anymore. So that's totally been changed. Um, so we'll see what they decide book two is going to be called. Um, I wait with bated breath. I have no idea because, yeah, honestly, I'm terrible with titles. No,
0: And so I love the title, Fate Bound, and and certainly in the context of the book, what it means to the characters. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, it looks gorgeous on the cover of the book as well. I know. The
1: cover is so
0: gorgeous. I love it. It's so good. And just because we're talking about it, I do love talking about covers because obviously we say don't judge a book by the cover. But it is something that intrigues us or catches our eye. How did the cover sort of come to me for this?
1: Oh, it's this stunning. was actually, yeah, oh, I love it. It's probably one of my favourite covers I've ever actually seen on any book ever. Um, and it was one of the most difficult processes, um, not from my perspective. I'm fairly easygoing when it comes to, um, you know, they pitch me ideas. I'm like, great, let's try this. Let's see. Um, but we had, I think we actually had four, no, I think we had 12 concepts in March last year um, and all of them got ditched um, because within the process of marketing and sales, no one could agree. And so I think all 12 of them ended up being ditched. Um, and then we had, we briefed in an illustrator and it was the same kind of concept of what we had now, but my editor wasn't fully happy with it. And I think she was entirely right. I think the the style wasn't right. And then she found this illustrator, so Joe Wilson. Um, and so by this point, we're now in like October last year. So it was a really late release um, cover because we'd gone through so many iterations. But I'm so glad because at the end, at the end of the day, we got like the most incredible cover. So um yeah, I'm just I'm just so happy and I, I just love it. It's so evocative. Um, it's like romantic, but also quite like crimsony. I don't know, it gives me lots of feelings and I love it.
0: It does. And you actually got quite a few really cool cover editions yes. <laughs> uh, with this. So like there's the Waterstones edition, uh yes. the Goldsboro one, which was stunning, and then the fairy loot as well, right?
1: Yeah. So um I've been very, very lucky to have some amazing editions. So I, I call the the kind of main edition um, the Midnight Edition because um, it's it's midnight, um, yeah. and then we have the Fairy loot Edition, which is Dawn, um, which is blue and it's got a sun, so it's slightly different illustration, and then um, the Goldsboro, which is Twilight, um, and yeah, I'm I'm just so lucky. They're just amazing and all different sprayed edges. It's just yeah, really lucky.
0: I love that. I love the spray edges. It's always like a nice added touch. So to have yeah. a gorgeous cover
1: and the edge. Yeah, uh,
0: absolutely. Now going back to the content of the book a little bit in the story, we have these magical creatures, which I don't think is a spoiler to mention them. No, nope. Obia. 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 Yeah. And they represent very different things. Uh, we find out to the elves and to the fae. And so I'm yes. wondering where that idea, you know, for these creatures and and for their role uh yes. with these different <laughs> elves and fae sort of came from.
1: Yeah, so um obia as a concept is actually a West African magic system. Um and it was something that I've always been really intrigued um about and with. Um, and while I was doing my master's in African studies, which I completed last year, um, which I just did for fun. <laughs> while I'm writing many, many books, but it was fun. Um, I was really intrigued and interested in this kind of West African uh, magic system that still really exists in the world. And um, I had seen in Ghana and um, you know, some of my aunties and you know, it could be something as small as if their left knee kind of twinges, they think it's going to rain. Do you know what I mean? It could be as small as that, or is it, it could be as big as I'm going to predict your death. Um, and so I'm really interested in Obya. And I started looking at it as kind of a justice based magic system. I thought that's really interesting. So, what if a creature, what would a creature look like if it was? made out of this system that's so vast and so wide um you know it's it's wide ranging across the world what would it look like and I just started building this creature of the things I loved so I was like okay I want massive stag antlers and then I want the body of a leopard and I just think that that's so it feels both in a, a lot of ways it's the pieces of me it's like meeting the west the North meets the South. You know, it's like the the African and and the Asian, and then also the European. You know, it, f- it feels really interesting, and I could probably write an essay about it. I won't because I don't have to do that anymore, thankfully. <laughs> but I think it is really interesting. Um, this creature that kind of came out of my imagination and m- imagination based on these debates I was having with myself, um, and then kind of putting them into a very awful situation where they're being hunted for their skin to make drums or to be fletchlings on on arrows and things like that um, because they are innately magic and they're the only creature within the elf world that has magic and so that's where they they kind of fuel their weapons for war Um, the way the fey kind of interact with them is very different and that's more on the verging of spoilers so I won't I won't talk about that but I think um yeah I I love the way like just turning certain things you know you think something is one thing but it's actually very much not um and yeah I I, I think that's a a twist that I love in the book and it's not it's not necessarily a twist but I think it's a, a very big plot point um and Pila is probably one of my favorite characters that I've ever ever written <laughs>
0: She's fantastic. Yeah. And I, I do love though that this sort of creature came out of a lot of different things for you and, and part of just your imagination. Because I think sometimes, you know, fantasy stories rely on other, you know, mythological references or things like that. So when I was reading this, I was like Googling, like, is this real? Is this, what is this? Yeah. And it's <laughs> so cool. Um, You know, where you drew the inspiration from and, and then sort of let imagination take over.
1: Oh, yeah, that is like, that for me is basically how I work. I will start with the seeds of maybe something that exists the the tiniest, tiniest seed of something. Um, And then my, my mind will just take it so much further than it ever needs to go.
0: But I love that. And that's why, you know, we have these wonderful books to read and sort of take us to new places that we just would not expect to be. You mentioned uh, in this story that uh, prophecy, and so prophecy plays a large part in a lot of things that we see in Fae Bound.
1: Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because...
0: I'm interested to know why you think Lettle is so drawn to knowing all of the things she can about the future when sort of a big part of prophecy is that you can't necessarily do anything to change it.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting, actually. It's kind of um, it's the control freak within me <laughs> that exists in Lettle. And it's this idea that if you know it, you can change it. Not that you can change it, but if you know it, that you you have a sense of control. Um, And I think one of the ways that she explains it is um, prophecy will, you know, for example, example, tell you that there's a drought coming in two weeks. Now, if you know that, you can put a bucket out now to collect rainwater. And I think that kind of level of control allows her to, yeah, just... Make sense of the world because she's had such a rough upbringing. I think Leto is con- consistently trying to have power over things that she just can't and hasn't ever in her life. Um, and the way that di- divination kind of works in the world is that again, because magic only comes from the obia. You have to, God, it's so brutal. It's you have to read the entrails of the creatures. So um entrail reading is something that you know has existed for millennia and is something that um I did a lot of research into, but then again, the seed of it, and I took it further. Um and I think, yeah, the way that so that's something that's Lettle sees herself as diviner, so that's something that she does. She will read entrails to to come up with prophecy, and I think it is. 100% about control and it is yeah her trying to make sense of everything going on around her and she does spend a good
0: again it's so hard I don't want to spoil anything but she does <laughs> sort of spend a good amount of time at the book I think trying to control things that she can't Yes, <laughs> as we <absolutely>. often do <laughs>
1: yeah and I think once you have a prophecy that's told about you because it's really rare for you to tell for you to to kind of receive a prophecy about yourself. Um, I think you want to change it, even though she knows that she can't. And it's something that she, you know, there's, I'm I'm writing book two at the moment, she's still resisting, she's still resisting a lot of prophecy. And even though it's there, it's written in stone, it's like she, she absolutely doesn't want to believe it. And I think because it's almost even though prophecy isn't necessarily word based, it's like a feeling like they translate it into language when they're reading, um, which is part of the experience of um divination. there is it is still open to interpretation, and I think that is something that for her is like, well, what if it's wrong? <laughs> even though it's not, and it has never
0: been. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. There's always that slight possibility or, or maybe hope that it could be incorrect, exactly. You did mention at the start of our conversation that some of the elements in this book include faded mates, include enemies to lovers. So there are a lot of sort of romantic interests for characters in this story. Did you know going in uh, sort of how you wanted those romantic interactions to sort of play out and, and how did all of those come to be?
1: So yes, definitely. Um, I I knew that there was going to be a sapphic relationship um from the get-go. I knew um even in, r- in writing the sample, I was like, okay, well, Uran is gay. That was just automatically came out. Um, most of my characters are, are queer in some way or another. Um, and then I also knew that there was going to be this more, I guess, typically heterosexual relationship um that was going to be fated mates. And those two just kind of playing those two relationships in different perspectives was so much fun and that was always going to be the way I was always leaning with Faybound Bound was more towards like the romantic genre whereas like The Final Strife for me was a really kind of raw and unflinching portrayal of identity and loss and something that I was I was experiencing as writing the final when I was writing The Final Strife so I always say that kind of like the final strife is very much me representing black pain whereas Fae Bound is black joy and I think both are so important so important um but Fae Bound was just went in that direction and yeah I was absolutely having the time of my life with those romantic relationships and just you know it's it's always going to be awkward writing sex scenes um and you know more than one um and having multiple people edit them and multiple people copy edit them um and have opinions on them but do you know what i was just like yes it is strange thinking my mum is currently reading it <laughs> but you know it's fine um i think they've seen worse i, I said to my mum said to me once um i skipped all the violence in the final strife i was like oh, what did you read if you skipped all the violence so she's probably going to skip all the sex in Fade and so we'll see. <laughs> I think as someone that reads a
0: good amount of romance and romanticy, I think all of the scenes were very,
1: very, very well done. Thank you very much. That means a lot.
0: <laughs> in just one person's opinion. And it's so subjective in what, you know, what you sort of enjoy or are looking for in those sorts of scenes. But um yeah. It can, it can be tricky, but I think it was very well, I don't want to say it was very
1: tastefully done, but it was. Thank the, you. the language was lovely. <laughs> Thank you. There was a lot of discussion. So I basically workshopped as many words as I could with a lot of my writer friends. And we were all sitting down. I remember we were actually in a cafe as well. So this was in public. <laughs> and I was like, so shall I use this word? And everyone was like, no, not that one. So it was basically sex scenes written by an entire room full of fantasy authors by a,
0: in a cafe with
1: fans. But that's, <laughs> that's fantastic though, because I do
0: think you try to get creative with how you're going to write it or you sort of determine what level of, you know, I don't want to say explicitness, but like how oh, much yeah. you want to
1: go into it or not. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, I think- knew I wanted to go all in. But then there was like certain phrases that I was like, I just don't want to use that phrase. It takes me out of it. So um yeah, that was that was tricky, but you know what? So much fun.
0: Exactly. But it uh, very well done. Um Thank it you. just everything just seemed to flow really nicely together in the in the setting, in the story, in the world building. I really enjoyed the relationships between these characters as you sort of see the things develop. It was just fantastic.
1: Thank you. That means yeah. a lot.
0: You're so welcome. And now there are also some, there are so many cool elements to this. I'm already like just eagerly awaiting book two and book one is not out yet, but um, there's also (laughs) a fair amount of sort of political court intrigue um, that happens in the story. There is obviously a war happening in the elven world. So there's all of those politics as well. I'm interested in how you sort of crafted all of those different like political layers because it seems like most people are trying to achieve the same thing but a lot of other elements are getting yeah. in the way with that yes. again without giving too much away but just how did you approach sort of adding all of those different political
1: layers so I think it comes actually quite naturally to me to kind of have like a a political or, or almost like military kind of setting or background. Um, and definitely when I first wrote the first draft of Faebound was about double the length of time in the Elven world before they went to the Fae realm. And I think that that was all down to me well building and setting up for book two, which rightfully my editors were like, we don't actually need to know what's happening in, you know, waxing or crescent right now. We just need to know what's happening in Waning, which is Uran and Lettles district, and then move to the Fey Realm, <clears throat> which absolutely they were right. You know, I was I was wasting time there because I knew that I had this backstory that I needed for book two and three. Um and when when I build those kind of political systems I, I look at the real world. <laughs> That's, what's really sad. It's like, I look at how the real world is built. I look at the wars that are going on. And I think, and, and fundamentally gets the, you get to the crux of it. And you're like, God, oh, this is so stupid. Like, why is this happening? Um, and I almost wanted that feeling when I was writing Faye like, exasperation with that. Why is there so much violence where it just doesn't really make sense? Um, And unfortunately, that's a mirror to our our real world. Um, But I I do kind of set up, Okay, this is the political views of this world. This is this district. This is who's aligned with this one, even though it's not, you know, again, it will be mentioned like a second in the book. Um, I need that there. So I know that, you know, that world is fully formed. And then when it came to the Fey Realm. I can't go into too much detail because, again, it's a spoiler, but I think I wanted to really examine the way people can be indoctrinated in different ways and have, t- even though they're raised within the same family, have totally different views or, yeah, I think, I think I'll think i leave it at that, but that was how I kind of examined the political nature of the Fae realm.
0: It's so true, though, where seemingly you have some of these figures where their mission is the same, um, but other things seem to be getting in the way that don't quite make sense. Is,
1: yeah, is it's, all like, I and, can it's say. and it's so frustrating, and it's mm-hmm. so frustrating. It was definitely that was something that I wanted to explore.
0: Absolutely, and so sort of similarly, you know, a lot of readers will turn to the fantasy genre as a little bit of an escape from reality or from the real world, but certainly books can be a really good tool for learning. And so, how do you sort of incorporate those real life lessons into that fantasy setting or, or that fantasy story?
1: Yeah, I think I will always, um, I have always kind of revolve around things like identity politics. For me, that is something that's really important to me. Although there isn't necessarily um, racism or oppression in the same way it, uh, in Fae Bound as there is in The Final Strife, which is quite clear cut. It is something that I really want to explore and always have kind of you know there, there are different races here and although you know racism doesn't exist in the same way um there are differences that are perceived to be bad things um or you know the, the the fae are vilified in the history and we don't actually know what happened um things like that and i think i love the queer normativity and i just wish our world looked like that and i think sometimes Fancy writers not all the time but I think it's definitely you know it's actually really easy to develop a queer normative world um and when you represent one I think you realize how easy it could be in real in the real life you're like huh this actually isn't that difficult like if if we all just came together (laughs) I'm hopeful um so I think that is you know, a, a way of education, I guess. Like, you know, by showing something so simple, I think there's like a, a really throwaway line. Like there's there's trans characters throughout, there are queer characters throughout, but there's a throwaway line where it's like, um, Lettle, there was, mustaches were in, or was it, beards, beards were in fashion. Um, and Lettle was like, one year she just decided, oh, she wanted one. And I didn't even, it didn't even occur to me to not have a woman try and have a beard, you know? It just, for me, it was showing how easy it could be to not have those kind of gender constraints. Um, And so, yeah, I think it is really important to have elements like that where you can. I also recognize that it's not necessarily fantasy's job to fix the world. Um, So I don't try, I don't go out of my way to go, this is a political statement that I'm trying to make. Um, I just do what I want to do. And if that, manages to change some people's minds and amazing.
0: Absolutely you sort of incorporate it where you can Um, and I do think it's it is helpful I think for some readers right where it's sort of in a you know a fantastical setting just so that they look at it in a different way.
1: Exactly yeah.
0: Now you did say you are currently writing Fae Bound 2 is that right? Yes I am. Okay so again in publishing we're always like on to the next before (laughs) this is even out but is there anything you're allowed to talk about or share about the process we at least know we're getting more books
1: yes it's a trilogy um and there will be a fury point of view which I'm very excited about um I haven't written that yet but that's going to be there um other than that you're just going to have to wait and see I guess Yes
0: I know it's so funny and so I always ask authors this question and obviously you're only allowed to say so much the first book isn't even out yet (laughs) but you said a fury point of view and my mouth just like was on the floor (laughs) so I think um, readers and listeners will be very eagerly anticipating you know this book and then the subsequent books in the trilogy. Yes I'm very excited so a little bit of a a, gen- a little bit of a shift, but Feybound related. You are doing some really fun book tour events in in twenty twenty four. The Feybound Ball in London. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that looks like an incredible time.
1: I know it's next week. It's kind of wild. I still haven't got my outfit sorted, but I'm going to. Um, yeah, it was quite funny. Me and my publicist sat down, and I was like, "Should we do something? Just like really." fun and crazy. And she was like, yeah, what? <laughs> and I was like, I don't, I don't know. I was like, maybe like, what about like a fable? And then as soon as I said it, I was like, no, 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 that's silly. That's silly. And she was like, no, let's do it. <laughs> and so we've got this amazing venue, got so many fairy lights, got like glitter makeup artists coming. It's yeah, I'm very, I'm very excited.
0: It sounds fantastic. I love that you just like, you're leaning into it and just going all out for this event. It sounds, yeah. you know, like a real treat for the readers as well.
1: Yeah, it was amazing. And I, I'm just, I'm so lucky that just the the community, the book community is just the best and it sold out in like four hours. And then we were trying to find a bigger venue, but it was just like, just before Christmas. And we're like, there's nowhere. <laughs> we can't book anything. So um, yeah, we've been, we've been very lucky.
0: That's really exciting. And so, is there anything? We're like barely into 2024, uh, but Fae Bound comes out in just over a week's time in the UK, and and a little bit longer than that in the US. What are you sort of most looking forward to in 2024?
1: Um, so I will be completing the final Strive trilogy, so the the ending Fire trilogy. So that's coming out in August. So yeah, I've got a double whammy year, which is really amazing. Um. I, yeah I'm really I'm really excited for Faye Bound to come out I just can't wait to see it in a bookstore that'll be really exciting I'm also so <laughs> I've got another book I'm writing this year which is my histo- historical fiction debut which is um Cleopatra and that's out next year is it yeah next yeah. year um and I'm doing uh, a research trip to Egypt, which will be amazing. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, by the end of this year, I need to have written three more books. So I'm very busy.
0: <laughs> Extremely busy, but a lot to look forward to, I think. And yeah, starting yeah. off the
1: year on a really good foot. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it, I'm just so lucky to do what I do.
0: Well, we're lucky. I'm like, we're as a reader, I feel very lucky to have read this book. Oh, thank you. And so as we sort of wrap up uh, the conversation, is there anything that you would want
1: readers to take away from the story in Faebound? I just want them to finish the book with a smile. I have had a few readers actually finish the book crying, which I was a bit concerned about. I was like, it's okay. All, everything's going to be fine. Um, but I just, I just want people to go all in with the world and just immerse yourself and just come out with a smile. And that for me is the main thing. And that, you know, I have, I will have made that. Yeah. That just makes my day, you know, just making readers happy Um, or cry, you know, I'll take tears. I will take tears. Um, But yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's the main thing.
0: And I think the, I think the ending could elicit either a smile or tears
1: or both. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I do see that.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And so, for our listeners, what is the best place for them to find you online to make sure that they're up to date with everything that's going on?
1: Um, so, I'm on Instagram um, at Sarah El Arifi, uh Twitter, but updates only at Sarah El Arifi. Um I have a website, which is sarahelarifi.com, and I'm on TikTok, which is also Sarah Elarifi. <laughs>
0: Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining me today to talk about Fae Bound. It's been such a delight getting to know more about you and this
1: book. Oh, thank you for having me. This has been such a pleasure. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on Overdrive.com
0: and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Emma Dwyer and Joe Skelly and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit ProfessionalBookNerds.com.
1: Hey, hey there! I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey.